welcome to another episode of Mama Earth Talk. I'm your host, Maris Canal. Realizing just how much waste we generate on a daily basis, I've set a personal goal not only to reduce, reuse, and recycle, but to also educate the world about sustainability and how each of us can help preserve our beautiful planet. Thanks for listening. Let's dig in. Our guest today is the founder and creative director at Podcast West, a metaverse evangelist, host of the Friendly Future podcast and a casual academic at Edith Cohen University. During this episode, we talked about what is Web 3.0, what green NFTs and cryptocurrencies are there at the moment, as well as what the future might look like in a Web 3.0 world. Crazy birds, without any further ado, I would like to welcome Dave Monk. Well, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Um, It's really great having you here. And I mean, you've got quite an interesting journey, you know, um, podcast wise, but also sustainable journey. Like, can we start off with that? Like, how did your sustainable journey actually start? Well, I think it's... It's always been there, to be honest. Um, I can remember long as I was about, I don't know, about 1989, when I was a young kid. I was an ad on the telly and I was, for things was for Keep Australia Beautiful. Oh, okay. And they had these people driving like a fry out, a cigarette butt out of the car and immediately they turned into a pig. You know, <laughs> this, as, a, as an eight year old, that's like, whoa, that's, that's scary. <laughs> and I thought, yeah, that, that's been drilled into it. I mean, I grew up in the country, so. Sort of earth stewardship has been really drilled into it. Man, wherever it's, we go out on school excursions, planting trees, or I was one of those weird people that loved in geography, and we always go on ge- on field trips, you know, and seeing all this quite devastating losing land, a lot of agricultural land to salinity. When you know we had again, with all this post-war, these this land tracts of land to the farmers and to the soldiers coming home to, to clear. But this is on some really marginal country, yeah. um, and it shouldn't have been cleared because the roots are quite deep. And once they chopped down those mallee trees, the salinity and the water tail came up, and now we've lost all these losing all this farmland. And so that sort of, I sort of kind of really grind my gear that we lost, we were so wasteful because that. And I'm talking in the wheat belt, of West Australia, prior to the white fellows coming out and the Europeans, the land was pristine, had a lot of freshwater lakes and a lot of beautiful like they hear old people old people talking about finding turtles and stuff in the creeks and everything like that and by the time i got there it's just salt wow yeah and you know that's just it just kind of really ignited something in me and i think it's always been when i when i studied tourism it's all about ecotourism when i was in my 20s and i've just just wasteful you know behavior against the environment it's just really just something i'm really just get really get fired up about so yeah it's always been there so i haven't been it hasn't been a, a journey to start sustainability sustainability is already just was inbuilt into me growing up oh wow what, yeah what an interesting journey and yeah it is definitely you know i think a lot of people don't um comprehend how nature has actually changed over mm. the last you know hundreds of years and yeah. you know i'm sure like our oh, great 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 um, grandparents would probably be like hang on you know what what, what is happening here mm. this used to be like this so it's definitely something that we can you know now try to make a change as well yeah. to make sure 
that you know within the next few generations they don't you know look back on us and be like oh you know you kind of ruined everything for mm. us i like to think we're the first generations that improved it yeah exactly so remember in the history books i mean in the midwest in america in the 30s they had the dust bowl and that was the biggest before this current crisis that was the biggest climate change disaster facing man and they solved that so that that, that happens when they cleared so much land that wasn't supposed to be farmland all this prairie and this really fine stuff and then it just upset all the topsoil and it just blew and you know he's seen horrific stories of towns just getting lost to dust wow um so we have gone through a climate change disaster before we have solved it before so i think that what gives me kind of hope and this is all about i'm a i'm a, always a cautious optimism that the answer is just sitting there. We just need the drive to go and go and get it, go and enact it. Yeah. 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 Oh wow. No, um, and I mean, definitely, there's so many different options that um, that you know every single one of us can actually do today to yeah. to really make a difference. Um, but I mean, some of our crazy birds that might not have listened to your uh, podcast, and we're gonna talk about it uh, shortly. But you are very much into, you know, um, kind of the future. Yes. What's happening in the future. Mm. And um, like one of the things that's really kind of now been talking a lot about mainstream is uh, the crypto space and the metaverse and yes. things. And you are actually doing like a PhD. In... I'm starting my PhD <laughs> journey into it. Yes. In like Web 3.0. Yeah. So like, yeah, can you tell us like a little bit more about that? You know, well, um, just like for our crazy birds, that's still like, okay, crypto, like it went past my head. Mm. What is that? And the metaverse just yeah. like dumb it up for us. Well, first of all, it's the evolution, next evolution of the internet. So what we meant by Web 3.0, and I'll refer to it as Web 3.0, metaverse is just part of it. Maybe it might be called the metaverse when, when it really takes hold. Okay, so what we meant by Web 3.0, at the moment we're at Web 2.0, and we have done, done since 2006. So Web 1.0, if we just go right back, started off about 1989 when Tim, Tim Berners-Lee invented the World Wide Web at CERN in Switzerland. And so that's from 1989 to about 2004 was Web 1, and that was the internet we loved back in the 90s. So it was just purely a web page. That www, w, when you still used to say that every time. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's, that's the one we had. Um, so, but then I was just connecting people. On came social media. Social media really, it, it dated back to about 1995, and I'll explain more about the, but it really kicked off about 2005 is when we seen the, the infancy of the likes of Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and so that started to connect people with things. And I bet if I go back in time to about 2004 and explain everything we know about social media today, they'll have, we'll have the same puzzled look as we do about Web3 now. So Web2 connected people and places. So Web3 is more immersive, what we're calling the metaverse, and that's connecting people, places, and things. It's going to be a more immersive world but what it essentially is it's a convergence of multiple technologies this is why i'm saying it's evolution it's not a platform it's not a website it's not a new social media that you have to learn so it's convergence of first of all 5g technology then you've got 
blockchain, artificial intelligence, extended reality. Then you go down to different types of computers like spatial computing and quantum computing. Once these all meet, then, and these are quite accelerating, I mean, to now all the technology has been quite, quite gradual. You know, we had the 4G phones, before, we had the 3G phones before we had social media. These are all at the same stage, and once they all meet, it's going to rapidly transform the world. Now, we are accelerating this technology because of the pandemic. Mm. We're all getting Zoom tired. And so the clever, the clever of, of us um, are putting together a more, more a virtual world. And this isn't, it's not a new idea, I have to admit. It's been around since the 1990s in science fiction. Neil Stevenson in Snow Crash invented the word metaverse. That was back in 1992. It's just now it's more coming to fruition. So if you look in pop culture... The Oasis out of Ready Player One is probably the perfect example of a metaverse. Mm-hmm. So, and when we talk about the metaverse, it's not what Mark Zuckerberg is proposing on with with his you know, Facebook Horizons. It's the open metaverse. It's a decentralized, meaning no one controls it, and democratized. Every web free product uh, project that I come across, it's all bottom up. Mm-hmm. It's really fascinating where you get. You get exact, for example, you get the PR people in Los Angeles. You get the financial controllers in Belgium or Luxembourg. You get the graphic designers in places like Vietnam, and you get the coders in Eastern Europe. No one's in truly in charge. They're all working what's known as a decentralized autonomous organization, known as a DAO. But they're all working towards the one goal, which is that startup they seem to be launching. And then you look at the bigger level, and then everyone who's working on this particular startup is also working toward the main goal, which is a open, interoperable means meaning you can jump from one to another metaverse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I mean it's still like quite a lot to to comprehend. Yeah. You know, like what exactly is it? Because a lot of people are like kind of oh okay, it is um, it is a product. It is something like just that they just believe okay, it's just this like. NFTs, that's the, mm. the new, like, you know, thing. And then you look at all these different, like, um, I mean, in the metaverse, you've, you've got all these different properties yeah. you know, that you can actually purchase. And people are like, yeah, but why would I want to purchase something in, in the metaverse? Like, you know, is it there? Like, I don't understand. Where is my property? Because, like, if, yeah. you, if you purchase, like, a piece of land today, like, I purchased a property here in Perth, then I can physically go there and yeah. I can see my property. And it's the same way that we've been doing things for how many every year. Mm. But in the metaverse, I think people still like can't grasp that, like, you yeah. know, I'm paying for something, but am I really paying for something? You well, know, kind of thing. it's born out of the video game industry. And the video games is now the biggest entertainment medium on the planet. You know, one in three people are actively playing video games, particularly with Gen Zers coming up. So one's born between 1997 and 2009. They're ones who grew up with Roblox, where you know kids create other games with kids, or Minecraft, or um, Fortnite. These already have economy inside, programmed inside the games. They already are used to paying things with digital currency. They're already used to buying like extra weapons or skins or armor inside that game so they really this is where it's all coming from yeah 
So this is trying then taking it from the gaming world, and at the moment, even gaming world centralised, but taking that decentralised and making a bigger market for it. And the whole idea is eventually you have one avatar that you can go into all sorts, all the gaming metaverses, metaverses, if you will, with the same level character, same credentials, same you know skill level. You don't have to start from scratch every time you jump into a new game. Yeah. So this is this is probably where it's getting really excited, and probably saying people's people still scratching their head and saying, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, I... but you think about it; it's it kind of makes sense. I mean, when we, I mean, millennials, we have like multiple social media profiles, mm. and in the metaverse and the web free, we will have just have one. We can sell like a token and take your audience from Facebook to Twitter to Instagram. Wow. And you have the same level. And you don't have to start from scratch again. So that's that's the other way of if you're trying to think of it is trying to unify everything, but also then have small spaces that you can have a private space. So it's kind of like recreating the real real world. On the metaverse. Just just in so just merging the real world and the digital world to become one. Wow. This is what's all what's all about. It's quite a lot, and I mean, yeah. especially if you're not very new to this concept. Mm. Um, like I can imagine it kind of just like blows over your head and be like, Whew, okay, what is that? <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean, you are currently doing a PhD um, in like Web 3.0 mm. in like the creator economy. Yeah. And um, I mean, I've honestly never heard of anyone doing that. So that's that's great, yeah. you know, knowing, knowing you doing that. But um, can you share like kind of what is it like specific, like the PhD, like kind of, what is it covering and um you know yeah yeah well okay with the phd i gotta really take it back really broadly right now see going back to the pandemic it was there's a being precedent set in his in history that every pandemic has been followed by within five ten years of it being over a renaissance a golden age of art culture that being that's getting born out because what pandemics do they make people get locked up inside but they also make them inflect and reflect and want to know what society they want to live in and then because boredom breeds imagination and creativity then you also got the perfect storm of you know ai and automation taking away so many jobs we're getting, getting freeing up the human race. We're saving the human race from itself. No more menial, you know, jobs that we can you know, carry plates in a restaurant, for example, or wash dishes when you get a robot to do it for you, for them. What that's going to do is go and take away so much of the unskilled labour. We're going to encourage humanity to go into creative pursuits. Now, the creative economy is a one way of creating, sort of, getting people having a, making a comfortable living, being a creator. And the good news about it, and I've spoken to, spoken to guys who actually set up NFT marketplaces, is that the ideal rate, you don't have to have thousands and thousands and thousands of followers like you do in the Web2 world. Mm. I mean, I know for a podcaster, you need about 45,000 before advertisers will touch you. Yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous when you're like you and me, we're the, we're on the, we're the grassroots by the media, and you know, 250,000 a download is probably a good number. But here, a hundred to a thousand is a good of a good value-added community. It's enough to make some people 
inside the community, um, create an economy, live, have a comfortable living. That's the one aspect. The other aspect is, it's kind of like, you know, storming of the Bastille. What I meant by that is that streaming giants like Spotify and Apple Music, they don't pay artists, musicians in particular, not too, not too much for a download. I think the, the going rate for Spotify is 0.0003 of a cent per, per play. You get to 25,000 and it's still not enough in Australia to, for, a, for a musician to make minimum wage. In fact, they have to be forced to do two or three other jobs just to make men's meet. Also throw in the fact that record labels give them, a, give them advantage for a recording and everything like that. So it's not very financially viable at the moment. You know, a generation ago before internet streaming giants when back in the day when we had bricks and mortar record labels, you know, you could easily come quite rich and, you know, becoming a, a famous musician, but you can't do that these days. Yeah. So the crowd economy is about taking that back. It's cutting out the middleman, which is essentially what blockchain does, and empowers musicians to sell their music as NFTs or other 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 technologies with web free and and also be able, able to create communities of value for their fans so you can sell a limited edition vinyl press you can sell it as an MFT but you can have a physical one there and your fans can hang on to that and that gives them good value or you can give them like a one a piece of music that no one else will hear and you get that scarcity value and also it creates royalties because don't forget with NFTs non-fungible tokens you put them in the smart contract, you can actually get royalties for life every time that goes into the second-hand market. So every time that piece of music gets transferred from one person to the other, the original artist gets a cut of that value. Oh. So if you sell a, rec- sell a record in the market for $100, every time that goes, the $10 goes back to the, the original artist. There's also other ways of creating like what's known as yield, which works like interest in case something is really valuable. They don't want to sell it, but then the royalties get still get calculated and get paid back to yeah. the to the original artist. Yeah, so it's all about empowering the artist. Um, and there are blockchain equivalents to Spotify, for example, which you press play, and the artist gets paid a token in real time. Wow, that's phenomenal. <laughs> and I can imagine being a podcaster, I would like to see that in the podcasting space. Imagine that we get paid a a token every time someone listens to a podcast and that's just that's 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 not too too much far-fetched i say yeah, yeah it's that's quite exciting i mean people ask me how do you make money back being podcast the answer is you don't but watch the space i think this is i hope it inspires someone to do something about it i mean this exactly. is exactly yeah. definitely a few interesting changes coming mm. and i mean you had a really uh, awesome episode on your podcast as well on crazy birds i'm gonna link it for you guys as well so you can actually go and listen to it and that was you um talking to a musician mm. um exactly about this and you know where he's now been able to um kind of support himself yeah. you know through this versus you know working three or four or five jobs. Can you imagine like John Bon Jovi serving you coffee? Yeah. Because, you know, they um, only get paid their little little amount of royalties hmm. every few thousand like downloads. So yeah. um, so it's definitely interesting to kind of see how, you know, Web 3.0 can help creators in that way as well, because we're definitely seeing hmm. more people wanting to do their own thing 
Um, but that is kind of like an obstacle. Like how how yeah. do you kind of sustain yourself with that as well? And it's not just musicians. I mean, you can be a game developer. They play platforms like Sandbox and Decentraland. Essentially, you, you buy that plot and you develop that game for people to play. So you can, there's so many ways you can do it. I mean, and even talking about, you know, immersive media where you can have a TV, augmented television where you can, you can have watch like a Netflix show and you can actually pick out what your uh, protagonist will do next. So create your own storyline. Yeah, pretty, pretty much. Imagine the um, water cooler chats in 15 years' time when everyone picks a different outcome for them. Yeah. yeah for oh, the wow. TV show and that, that people are working on that right now as well. So That's so cool. And I mean, in the metaverse, we're seeing more like um, artists as well. So one of the big ones probably is like Snoop Dogg mm. that, you know, has got a property in the metaverse and, you know, you'd be able to see some of his shows there. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of other stuff we've had, you know, um, uh, like Under Armour, who actually sold sneakers like as a virtual like nft kind of token mm. that people can wear in these games so you know people would think okay i'm paying like you know a couple of hundred dollars for sneakers and then you're like where's your sneakers oh no it's just like a virtual thing so i think we're slowly starting to get to that reality yes. where we're like you know it's kind of um not reality but it is reality in yeah. a way yeah it's it's extended reality um and yeah you know just with snoop dogg he's also sold avatars it's NFTs and he has his own NFT specific parties. You have to have buy one of these doggies to get inside that party. Um, so, and another thing too is with these sneakers, you know, people think, well, that's a lot of money for nothing exists. Well, people are, think of it as investment for your personal brand. You so know? we'll see caps and all sorts of things. Mm, yeah, <laughs> there is a pair of $120,000 shoes that are made by Atari that only one of a kind they're out there at, on OpenSea at the moment. Wow. So yeah, if you guys need some one-of-a-kind shoes, yeah. but like kind of obviously, you know, with being um, with the Mama Earth talk and, um, you know, with the sustainability kind of space, you know, um, like I feel often NFTs and like the cryptocurrency and currently everything that is kind of Web 3.0 has got a very like bad reputation mm. of being like, oh, you know, it's so energy hungry and you know, um, all cryptos are bad and, you know, NFTs are bad. And we kind of have that, like yeah. a lot of people, um, or that's the the conversations I've been having over the last uh, year or so. Like kind of what would you, what, what would you say is um, some of the options that's currently available that is like green NFTs or crypto? And yeah, how, how do you see kind of that in the future as well? Will we be having this conversation in a couple of years about green or sustainable or? I think we'll, that will be a non-discussion in a couple of years time. Okay, so what you're really looking for in a green NFT, green cryptocurrency, there's two different ways you could generate cryptocurrency. And this is what you really have to, because there's a lot of greenwashing out there in the crypto space. It's proof of work versus proof of stake. Now, proof of work is when you're telling the blockchain you need to mint that token right now, and that's the one that chews up all the juice. Whereas a proof of stake saying, yes, we trust you to have this token on file and just mint it when we're ready. So you can, that, that proof of stake is immediately, that is more sustainable. Yeah. Because you don't have to enforce 
the token to be minted there and then. I mean, so at the moment, I'm, I'm struggling to find a green NFT marketplace. And I had a look, good look. I think a few might have disappeared because of the bear market at the moment. And a few are promising with Polygon. And Polygon's a good product, don't get me wrong. I'm not going to hear the fame it. But Polygon ultimately forks off Ethereum. Ethereum is proof of stake, uh, proof of work. Yep. So Ethereum 2.0 is promising to be proof of work, uh, proof of stake rather. <laughs> so that's why you have to really look at it. You have to look under the hood of where where it's going, where what blockchain is coming off. Now, to me, some of the more exciting projects out there, um, like Cardano, Solana, and even Algorand, these are ones where I invest money, and this is not investment advice, of course, but these are the ones that, you look at those, they're all pure proof of stake blockchain they're independent of ethereum and there are good projects coming up that will just be focused on just creating a greener nft space yeah Yeah. because i definitely think that is something that's so important and Mm. i mean for me with my nft when i kind of looked at all the different options um there was a few like more sustainable marketplaces that was um that i was looking at but then, you know, like kind of you come to a point, okay, cool, I'm going to start, you know, creating the NFT on this um, like marketplace and then the next day it's gone. Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of also being able to ensure that whichever platform you decide to go with, that that might be something, you know, that's big enough to actually yeah. withstand, you know, a bear market or anything that that life might throw with it. Mm. But um, yeah, Ethereum at the moment. So mine is on um, OpenSea and it is on the Ethereum blockchain. And the reason for that was, you know, I kind of felt also that, you know, OpenSea was a little bit of a bigger, yeah. like kind of established marketplace because the last thing that I wanted was to you know create something and then you know not for it to be there yeah. um in in a couple of months exactly time. right yeah so that was that was one of my main concerns and obviously being you know doing all of this research for the last couple of years as well or well you know the last year mainly and um and then again like what you said with polygon so you go from ethereum to actually buy the polygon and mm. yes you can it is more like kind of environmentally efficient like sustainable but then again you kind of you first have to start off with the ethereum to kind yeah. of get it so i mean they like there's so many conversations happening yes, at this right. point <laughs> um but yeah i definitely think in a couple of years time it's it's exactly like you know with web 2.0 like we yeah. Like a lot of people are saying, like every time you scroll on Instagram, it's like, you know, using this much energy and it's using this. And I think, you know, um, that was very focused at that point. Whereas, you know, we're really focused about it now because it's new. Mm. We, we kind of, you know, trying to figure out what is this space. Um, so, yeah, I definitely think, you know, under the hood, um, people need to kind of look at what is it that they're getting, but also to make sure what they are getting is actually a legit thing because like yeah. there's been so many greenwashing scams yeah, what rug pulls yeah yeah and just look at the utility of the nft and what community you've been like your projects for example it has gives you know gotten the smart contracts gives out to various good causes and i think that does just bounce it out rather than ones that just purely there just as a money grab I meaning mm. you know sustainable sustainability is also about people so you've got to balance it all out. I think it's all about it's all about the balance, yeah. Exactly. Mm. And um, 
I mean, gosh, there's, there's just so many. Um, is there, like, you kind of um, touched on some of the different, like, um, spaces, you know, like, um, you know, Solana and um, them, but is there any specific, like, NFT or things that you kind of, you know, keeping an eye on, having a look at currently? There's one, it's not really an anti-space, it's a more of a movement inside the Web3 community, and that's mm-hmm. the data union movement. Okay. What exactly is that? Right, so a data union is like a labor union. Oh, wow. Okay, so I'll explain. Um, now, before you accuse cryptocurrencies of being magic internet money, your data has been generated, your data you've been generated has been generating revenue for a good 10, 15 years. It's just been generating revenue for someone else, namely Google, Amazon of the world. All of those free platforms. All those free platforms when you're not really, you're not really the, you're not selling the product, you are the product. It's the biggest trade in human commodity since the Atlantic um, slave trade, probably even worse than the Atlantic slave trade in terms of, you know, not paying people. Um, So, but the legislators in Europe and in California, and we'll follow suit here in Australia, no doubt, are forcing the hand of big tech giants not to, not just to reveal what they're doing with the data, but they have to say now, we can force by law that you have to compensate your users to if you want to share their data with advertisers. Yeah. This is the whole premise yeah. of the Web3 and the Web3 promise is that you can essentially earn a, a passive income just simply by being inside the internet. And because it's also about sovereign citizenship, you can actually turn that you can have the power to turn that off to whoever you want. You just have a set of keys inside your wallet. You can say, no, I don't want Facebook to bail me anymore. You just turn the keys off and they, they, they have no right to come back and say, force you into it. Yeah, or listen, listen yeah. on your phone and give you ads when, yeah. whenever. So this is going to cause the, a huge data silo, huge data silos to collapse. And they're predicting it's about the year 2024 that's likely to happen that these massive monopolies, and this has been, there's a precedent too before, I mean, we've broken up with antitrust lawsuits with, you know, iron and ra- the railroads back in the early 20th century. We're doing the same with big tech now. Now, there's two ways you can do it. Individual, you can do it, and you can do it. It seems to be a lot of work, or you can use agencies like a tra- data union to say, we'll join up. And they'll do all the negotiation for you. And it's potentially $20,000 US per person in it for everyone. And you can do it either take out the cash or you can reinvest it back into the ecosystem and put into a brand new startup, for example. You know, share that equity around. And you can get really clever with this too. I mean, for example, you can put a solar panel on the roof on a very hot day, January here in Perth. You can generate an excess amount of electricity rather than selling it back to Western Power. That tokens that they've generated, you can sell to your peers, peer to peer. And that's really- Take that, out the middleman. Take out the middleman. That really is Power Ledger, which is a great Perth startup by Dr. Gemma Green from Curtin University. Wow. That really exists. Or you can have like a Fitbit one where you walk around the block, do 10,000 steps, you get a token, and you can you know, get encouraged to be more healthy and get paid for it. This whole movement, I think, is most fascinating. It's basically filling the void of having a universal basic income without pressuring the government 
to introduce a universal basic income. And you may imagine if $20,000 for every man, woman, and child, man, you know, get, we're taking away all the debt traps, we can solve the housing crisis, it's going to have a whole knock, knock-on effect to society, which I think is the most exciting thing coming out of the Web3 community right now. It's probably not as hyped as the NFT movement mm. or my play doing gaming and stuff like that. Mind you, there are really good examples inside the Plato and gaming as well. Wow, that sounds very exciting. And I mean, it, it just like shows you that, you know, there's, there's so many different like kind of aspects and yeah. angles. And I'm quite excited what this also means for like the sustainability movement. Because yeah. I'm sure there's going to be so many amazing projects that is going to help you know the environment Mm. that you know maybe people might be able to um sell energy or donate energy to some causes or even you know if you do certain things it can help some of the um like whether it is endangered species or anything so i'm I'm really quite excited about that because it it makes it easier for more people to be involved as well that's right you know Get these tokens and you can donate, plant small trees or, you know, encourage agriculture, or, you know, it just, it's just limited to our imagination of what we can do with this $20,000 potential in, in, um, internet money. And just don't forget, data generation is a form of labor. You should be compensated for. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And I mean, also when it kind of, you know, um, thinking about the metaverse and things, um, I'm just thinking, you know, with like Snoop Dogg shows, if you compare, if that might be, you know, I won't say that they're going to cancel all live shows. No, for sure they won't. But um, if that means, you know, we can actually do a lot more live events, live things like that Mm. versus having you know, like your Burning Man festival that, you know, pollutes so much or something like that. You know, now we can do a lot more festivals and things that's also online that you you can attend from comfort of your own home. And you can be in hologram form. Wow. That's spatial computing or mixed reality. Take a pick, which is both, we both can form. So in 10, 15 years time, you can tend Snoop Dogg's concert in LA and you can never let them even have to leave the country. <laughs> they should have had that during COVID. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, or, you know, you might be down with another pandemic. You don't have to close down all these nightclubs and pubs and things like that. You can just broadcast your hologram into those venues um, or you can be present. And that's the other thing about it. It's We're getting rid of the 2D screens and replacing them with 3D screens. So, and I could be real, man. I could speak to a guest in London, and he'd be seeing me, and we'd be looking like we're having the taking the coffee together. And that's that's not too far fetched either. That's quite near. Well, that sounds amazing. So, guys, that virtual coffees we've been having, you yeah. know, you might you might have one <laughs> in mm. like more three D. Um, yeah. And like, what do you say, Dave? Kind of, you know, for you, what do you think the future would hold, like, for Web three point oh? Well other than what we've mentioned now. Yeah. Well, it's all nascent at the moment, and the future is unwritten yet. Mm. It's very early crawling out of the primordial swamp in terms of technology that has potential. So, and as I said, way back, think of the, like we're talking about social media back in 2006. And the most exciting thing, and the answer is, I don't know, which is a good thing, means we can 
get technology, we can get the curiosity going, we can get the research, the development, and we can recreate the future. Now, the World Economic Forum has a whole section on the metaverse and is saying right now, now is the time to reset the internet to create a more open, inclusive, sustainable space for everyone. And especially with blockchain technology, you will see tech startups out of Africa, out of Asia, not necessarily just focused in Silicon Valley. Sharing that knowledge around the world will uplift so many other countries out of the poverty trap. And it's going to create a better tomorrow. And I think that's the whole prom- promise of it. If we do it right. There's a big caveat. If we do it right. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, I know there's a lot of um, like concerns about safety and mm. things. Because if you just think um, about, you know, a lot of these like games that's now kind of, you yeah. know, um, in these 3D like spaces and metaverses, you know, a lot of them are children. And yeah. a lot of the times it's children that's under the age of 16. So yeah. how do we create a safe space for that as well? So that becomes really important. And I think another another interesting topic, and this is probably where my PhD is heading, mind you, is this whole aspect of direct-to-avatar marketing. Now... Avatars can actually represent, you know, you, you could be born with gender dysphoria. You could be born in a girl's body, but you feel like you're a man. You can put on a male persona inside the metaverse and act like your male privileges without, you know, feeling uncomfortable about it in the real life. You don't have to come out yeah, and you know, get all that harassment like transphobia or anything like that. It's creating a safe space for these type these people. Same. So that's, I think that's the most, probably a really fascinating area that we, we can explore. I mean... Yes, we can create. Yes, it can be dangerous, and that keeps me up at night thinking that, you know, you can hide internet trolls and everything like that. But don't forget, you're creating... It's not a public square like social media. Mm. I think there's a big difference. It's, it's not even a town hall. It is the kitchen table that we're recreating inside the metaverse with when we someone buys a plot of virtual land and creates their own space for fans. You can be the you can be you become the gatekeeper in themselves. You can keep all the nasties out, yeah. and you can have create a safe space for your fans. And you don't have to have too many to have that space. So that can be a nice, warm, welcoming space. Um, so that's the other side of the coin is that it gives the users a lot more control, um, and the trolls can go live somewhere else. You know, they can. Live in their own troll world. No, live under their own bridge, yeah. So. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's really great. And I mean, there's so much that the future um, mm. is holding in for us. So I'm quite excited about that. And also really excited about what that means, you know, for us, for sustainability. Um, I mean, those articles you were referring to from the World Economic Forum as well, they're really fantastic. So Crazy Birds, if you want to do some extra reading, I'm going to link that up in the show notes as well. And I mean, talking about like future, you are the host of the Friendly Futurist uh, mm. podcast. Like, can you share a little bit more about that? Because there's also some great sustainable episodes. Yeah, well, I have well. a lot of green tech. Green tech's close to my heart. So it's biotech, ag tech. I want to do a technology podcast. This is not just focused on one technology, but all emerging technologies um, and the impact on society and the environment. I'm following up what Ray Kurzweil is the chief engineer at Google, it's calling the Imagination Society, also what the Japanese government is calling Society 5.0, where, it's, where information technology, biotechnology, and in particular, are going to f- merge 
and if you can imagine it, you can actually create it. So this is what it's all about. It's about the impact on society and the environment, and we have a great discussion, so I try to make it as as jargonless and as accessible to the average guy on the street as possible. And we have a lot of fun. I, mean, I throw in a lot of spatial audio and all this sort of stuff. I have a whole trope about being on being a spaceship captain on the SS tomorrow. Um, yeah, and listen out to her because I think what I want to do, and if I, I know I'm doing my job right, if someone listens to my podcast, gets a bit of inspiration and starts that startup that you know, solves a problem that hasn't had to be too big or too small, I think I've done my job. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's, there's some really fantastic episodes. So um, I'm going to link up in the show notes as well for you guys where you can listen to that and you would be also able to hear me on the podcast in the near future so yeah i'll link that also up in our show notes we've got, we've got two episodes with you coming up yeah, yeah. very exciting hmm. and dave what would you say has been one of your most important decisions that you've made around mama earth well i'll put my money where my mouth is i only invest when i put my super in an ethical super fund i only invest in green cryptocurrencies so Rather than just talk the talk, I put, you know, I stake my future on those who are taking this future seriously. Yeah. That's my first thing. My other thing is to my grey little Mazda ship box is going to be my last ever pet- petrol car. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I know it's it's dying a slow death, but I seriously think that price parity with petrol cars, EVs, and hydrogen is not too far off. Yeah. Um, I do believe that hydrogen is more of the future than EVs, particularly if it's green hydrogen, which you can actually easily convert petrol cars into. It's a bit like harder to convert a petrol car into an EV. So I think we need to convert that fleet quite quickly, and this is what the lessons from coming out of the, the unfortunate war in Ukraine is teaching us. is Our dependencies on petrostates need to end, and our dependency on fossil fuels need to end pretty quickly. So. Yeah. yeah, there's a really um, great episode on the podcast um, that you guys can listen to in the next couple of weeks where I actually interviewed a, a really great company that's like kind of reinventing the battery for EVs. So mm. it's really making it more recyclable and also more affordable, which means it can be more adapted for um, yeah. you know the mainstream car industry as well. So yeah, yeah there's definitely a lot of hope um, for the future. Mm. Uh, Dave, we are going to move into our final five. So it's the same five questions I ask every single guest and you can just give me short answers for these. You ready? Yep. Uh, first one is, what is one social media or publication that you follow? There's two, it's two YouTube channels, but it comes from the same guy. Um, the B1M and Tomorrow's Build, it's all about urban planning. But what he's got is some really, really great, big, sustainable ideas. Like there's a talk about a forest city just north of Singapore at the moment where they actually sink in the car traffic below the ground and everyone has parks and green spaces in between all the buildings and all the buildings are made out of timber and other sustainable um, building products and even have vertical farms on top. Oh wow. Um, that sort of areas are, it's really, just, I find it's the most fascinating stuff. It also talks about a whole city in in northern Finland that's just built for bikes and everything like that. So yeah, that I like those two things because that's where you get the really big sustainable ideas and it's really 
quite inspiring to look at. Sounds great. Well, fun fact uh, for our crazy birds that did not know, my husband actually studied urban planning. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I'll definitely recommend those two channels for Mm. him as well. And what is your hope for Mama Earth going forward? To quote um, a lyric of Bob Marley to Free Little Birds, and I'm a cautious optimism, don't worry about a thing, everything's going to be okay. I love that. We all need a little bit of optimism in our lives. And what advice can you give our crazy birds this week to actually help out Mama Earth? I could put a long answer, but I was building on that urban planning thing is that look up the Dutch word autolou. A-U-T-O-L-O-U-L-U-W, sorry. Basically, all the Barcelona superblock. Basically, it's the idea is that have car-less... Car Streets where they cut off, and we're seeing a bit of example here in Perth, but you find that as soon as they get more foot traffic rather than car traffic, neighbourhoods get re- revitalised. Mm. And I think this is a serious conversation we need to have coming into this post-pandemic world. Is we start this let's reclaim the cities for people and you know, encourage people to walk, take e-scooters, take public transport, less on on the cars. I mean. Perth is just ridiculous. It's just the longest city in the world. Oh, and gosh, yeah. <laughs> we can't all just live by the beach, um, unfortunately. We have to build in and build up rather than build out. Yeah. So that's my tip for this week is look into, you know, a car-less future. Uh, not car-free future, a car-less future, a car-light future. Exactly. I yeah. quite like um, every month when I get my Google Maps update, and I know they're tracking my data, mm. but that is one that, that I'm quite um, inspired with every month because sometimes I, um, like last month, I've actually uh, cycled and walked a lot more than driving in my car. Mm. So um, it was like almost double the amount I was cycling than driving. Yeah. So it's things like that which really inspires me. And so, I came here via public transport. So. Oh, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, I hope everyone kind of, you know, try to see if they can't take one trip at least this week on public transport mm. or cycle. Um, so what is one sustainability fact that you like to use in a room with people not yet on a sustainable journey. There is no such thing as a silver bullet. That there's, there's a, rather than a whole big jigsaw that's gonna solve the problem. So EVs not gonna take away the petrol cars. EVs will, will and don't have to be so adversarial. EVs will be alongside hydrogen, alongside biofuels to solve the transport issues. Similarly with finding sustainable food. It doesn't have to be it can be a combination of you know, lab-grown meat, insect protein, plant-based meat, fungus-based meat, and you know even food grown in aquaponic farms in disused offices can all solve the food problem. So you've got to think that it's not not going to be one that's going to replace the, everything. It's just going to be it's, it's a combination of things that we need to look at. And this is really if you get the head around this. This is a sustainability. This is also where the me- the metaverse is coming from as well. So, yeah, quite yeah. a lot to look out for. Mm. Amazing. Yeah. So, Dave, where can people actually find you and also to become a um, like friendly futurist? Become the futurist. <laughs> so you can find the friendly futurist on all good platforms. So look out for friendly futurist towards Society Five Point on 
Spotify, Apple, Amazon, about 15 of them, but Spotify in particular. And or follow me on Twitter at FriendlyFuture1. I couldn't get Friendly Futurist for some reason. Or follow me on LinkedIn, Dave Monk in Theo's CPN. Look out for their headphones. Oh, awesome. And we are going to link it up in our show notes as well. So, Crazy Birds. Head on over to the website and wherever it is you get the show notes from and you'll find all of the links for easy access so you don't have to like stop what you're doing and write it down or you can actually if you want to do it right now. Mm. Um, But yeah, thank you so much for being such an amazing guest on the podcast. My pleasure, anytime. And um, yeah, we're looking forward to watch uh, you like grow with your PhD and all of the cool projects that you're Mm. working on as well. So thank you for that. You're welcome. Thanks. It's great being here. And that's a wrap. Huge thank you for our amazing guest for being on the podcast and for sharing their journey with us. You can find the show notes of this episode on the mamaearthtalk.com's website. The biggest thank you goes out to all of you crazy birds for listening to the podcast. If you have not already listened to all of the episodes... You can go back to a few of them. You will absolutely love them. I really enjoyed recording every single one of them. And I really hope that you enjoy listening to them. There's over a hundred episodes. So if you feel a little bit lost on which one to listen to next, maybe select one of the episodes with guests that you might want to know more of and start from there. If you enjoy the episodes, why not tell a friend about the podcast and maybe share an episode with them? Let them know that we are here and we are waiting for them with open arms and they are all very welcome to join the Crazy Birds globally. If you have a question for me, please send them over. The best way to get in contact with me would probably be a DM on Instagram. You can either send it to my personal, which is at Zero Waste Mariska, or the podcast, which is at Mama Earth Talk, or send me an email at hello at mamaearthtalk.com. If there's a particular guest or topic that you would like to hear on the podcast, let me know. I love to hear from all you crazy birds. New episodes are uploaded every second Monday. So make sure to subscribe that you do not miss a thing. Mama Earth has a voice and it's us crazy birds.